0: Good morning. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to Project Freelance. It is early. It is 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time when this episode comes out, but no matter what time you're listening to this, thank you for listening to it. But just so you know, it does come out at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, just in time for your Monday morning commute. So... This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Roger Bolin of Wave Cult Productions. I actually got connected with him through my drummer, Ben Levi, who is in my band, Matriarchs, but he's also in Cutthroat from LA, and he's also in a band that Roger's also in called Fate Destroyed. So I wanted to talk to him about music production and how he got into music and things like that. This is season seven of Project Freelance, and I wanted to make an effort to talk to more music producers and see how they built their business, how they honed their craft, because I think music production is huge and there's a lot that I could learn as an artist from music producers. So before we get started, uh, there's a few things I got to let you guys know about. Firstly, If you do like this episode, please, at any point in time, leave a rating and feedback for the podcast. It helps us grow. It helps new people find us. And if you do leave a rating and feedback, take a screenshot of it and send it to me at Project Freelance, either on Twitter or Instagram, and I will get a hold of you and I will send you a signed photo print that I have taken in an abandoned building. Yes, when I am not freelancing, I explore abandoned places. It is my passion. It is my love. I love doing it. And it's a ton of fun. It's so much fun that I've actually created a book that you can purchase called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. And if you guys want to get a copy of that and read some stories from my explorations or see some photos, just go to notracers.com slash shop. And then the next thing I have to let you guys know about is that my band Chasing Satellites has a new song out called Split Two. And there's a music video for it. I'll put a link in the description if you want to check it out. And then my other band, Matriarchs, has an album coming out on October 16th. If you guys are interested in that, it's called Year of the Rat. I would love for you to check it out. And the last thing I need to mention is that we have a partner for this podcast, and that is Liquid Death Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death Water, hey, don't worry. I've got an ad coming for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order liquid death murder your thirst so yeah if you guys want to get a discount on your water hit up liquid death and use the discount code just the letter K for a discount on your water purchase there's a link down in the description. There's actually several links down in the description, a bunch of affiliate links to Amazon products that I think could help you out as a freelancer, especially if you do any type of photography or videography, even though this is a podcast about audio engineering and production, I still think there are probably some uh, you know, content creators out there that might need some, some gear. So let's jump into this episode. Roger, please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance
1: audience. So, my name is Roger Bolin. Um, I own my own audio production company called Wave Cult Productions. Um, Obviously, a longtime musician and been doing this for like 15 years, been playing in bands for like the last 10 years, and that's pretty much it in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. So, let's talk about how you got into music in the first place. What made you catch the bug?
1: Oh, Jesus. Um... I'll try not to ramble on too long about that one, but I guess if we're gonna go back to it, I think I was like 12 years old and um, I was really more into art and drawing as a kid and in class, I mean, we were all kind of that kid that just kind of doodled in our notebooks instead of taking notes. So I kind of thought that was gonna be my direction more so than anything else. But um, my stepdad was was a bass player and he had this like really sick like ibanez iceman base and he wanted to like pawn it or sell it or something like that and my mom convinced him to uh to let me have it instead of uh pawning it and i had no idea no idea what the hell i was doing and uh just kind of thumped around on that until i learned how to like read tabs and and you know kind of play along with like iron maiden and black Mm -hmm. sabbath and and like all that stuff and you know that was really cool, and I started playing in like little high school bands or like grade school bands back then. Just like not, still not having any idea what I was doing. I think we played "Smoke on the Water" for like a dance, and I played it completely incorrectly. But I had <laughs> such confidence, and the spirit was there. And I think that was really um, the start uh, for for everything. And from there, it just kind of evolved into. Other instruments. My dad bought me a guitar, I think, by two years later. And um, that's been the main instrument since then. I play guitar in three bands currently um, one in California um, called Fate Destroyed, and two out here that I've been going for a long time. And then so, jumping kind of into the future um, of all that, um, obviously all the music i was doing needed to be recorded and we were out you know um working with different producers around town and spending all this money and then it just kind of like occurs to you like well uh how hard can this really be like i just want to like jot down ideas and like really just kind of get something on paper before i forget it and all these programs started coming out that were more easily accessible to people like me like GarageBand, ableton whatever mm. um So I actually got like a a deal with Ableton that they gave me the whole program and the suite and everything. And that was a big opening to the music production field. And I didn't even think that I was going to end up becoming a record producer or a music producer of any kind. It just kind of fell into my lap after I started being like the, the main recording engineer for my own band. Other bands just kind of started picking it up asking me like well who records your band and i'm like well me and um they're like well uh you know what are your rates and i'm like well i have no idea i've never been asked that question before (laughs) and um so i kind of just like made it up as i went and i was like kind of picking up bands here and there like making a little bit of like extra side money and then yeah from there it just kind of became more of a priority and that kind of became like my you know, like a 50 50 gig. I had a day job and then I had this other thing going on and it became really competitive to the point where I was starting to make more money recording bands than I was like rolling burritos at my job.
0: Hmm.
1: And um, and so this is actually kind of new. Um, I was working at my my day job up until March of this year. And then obviously uh, COVID-19 happened and uh, pandemic happened. So uh, myself, along with a lot of other people, were out of a job or we were furloughed or whatever. Mm. And um, they asked me, I think back in July if I wanted to come back to work and I really thought about it for a few days and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to go back to that and sell myself short and just not you know be part of a corporate machine and mm. and I think the one thing that a lot of people don't really tell you, when you're trying to do a freelance thing is that there's a, you reach a certain point where you have to like take a leap of faith. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if this is like ever happened for you or anything, but there gets to be a point where like, it's never really comfortable jumping from something that's stable and secure, like a nine to five job to like just doing freelance. Like it's going to be super uncomfortable for a while, but I figured like this was a chance to do it. And I'm just going to dive head first into it. And the worst thing that could possibly happen is I fall on my face. I I have to go get another job. So I think I'm sitting at about maybe about two and a half months. I've been doing the production or the recording company full time. And honestly, I'm making, like I said before, like more money than my day job was making. So I'm super happy about that. But but yeah, that just kind of brings us up to today.
0: Nice. So before we get into like how you got into like music i mean we you talked a little bit about it but i want to dive deeper into that um can we talk about how small the music industry really is like how everybody knows everybody like for example my my drummer ben is the drummer of fate destroyed so that's like how we got connected so ben plays for matriarchs and he's had matriarchs for like i don't know 10 years and he found me during quarantine yeah he's had these songs for like six seven years you know and he found me during quarantine through TikTok and then he connected <laughs> us through Facebook. So yeah. Can we talk about how small the music industry is and that, and how you've probably worked with some bands that know other bands and, and word of mouth spreads quickly?
1: Uh, that's kind of what you rely on, honestly, um, to kind of succeed in this industry. I feel like there's, I've met a lot of like uh, musicians that are starting out that kind of have this mentality that it's like them against the world. And you really you really need um, all your all your colleagues and all all the people around you, everybody in the industry like, you know, they really are there to help you out and you really need them. Um, Like, for example, like you with Ben and Matriarchs and me and Fate Destroyed, like I have a drummer here in Colorado who is the drummer for one of my bands and then he's the drummer for the other band I'm in and he recruited me to be in that other band and like. It's all kind of, like, interwoven in that weird way, but uh, when you do that, you're opening yourself up to, like, more and more and more opportunities, because you just never know where those different musical directions are going to go, and you just have to, like, I don't know, like to think of it as, like, you're making a movie, right, that... Mm -hmm one like Brad Pitt or whatever actor, for example, didn't like go and film and star and was all his own extras and his, you know, he wasn't the entire thing. There was a team of people behind it. And it's the same thing for any type of artistic uh, collective. It's just like, you need, you know, people who are like the promoters, the drummers, the guitar players, the people who are, you know, putting on the shows, like it's all a part of it. And so the more people can connect, and I kind of think that's why it ends up being such a small world the people that are like especially ben he's like such a hustler he's just like can't really sit still for too long he's like well if one thing's not doing something i have to do another thing Mm. and then he ends up being interwoven even um i think your other guitar player uh carlos Carlos, uh he's good friends with my friend uh gustavo out here and they're in a band together (laughs) and it's it's like that i could i could say that about so many bands but i think it's really awesome and it's gotten to the point where I kind of expect that now that right. I meet a band I'm like okay one of you is somebody who knows somebody that I know like that circle is that close but I don't know I think it's really cool I think it's we're better off being more connected than disconnected at the end of the day
0: yeah and I think music is something that brings the world together so it's super cool to see that music is bringing these band members together through, across different uh projects so oh, especially you... like
1: even like across the country like you and I are talking yeah. across like thousands of miles right now right. like this isn't a thing that could have happened like you know back in the earlier days even like the 90s or early 2000s mm-hmm. like I can be in abandoned California and be in Colorado at the same time it's just that's just where we're at right now and yeah I agree with you mm-hmm. it's 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 super awesome how that's all interconnected like that
0: Yeah, and even across continents, you know, we've got bands like Crazy 88 who have people in Canada and America and the UK, you know, it's like, it's just, it shows you what's possible when it comes to being connected and and working together.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So take take me through like the first project that you uh, produced that wasn't your own project. Tell me about what that process was like, what you learned, what pitfalls you may have come across and... And what you took away from that oh
1: uh, yeah it's definitely oh, it's definitely a learning curve for sure there's like so many there's so many instances in like a freelance career where you step into and you're like oh crap i have no idea what i'm doing <laughs> and i hope they don't find out that i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> um so i was working at um some day job and like i kind of mentioned earlier it was kind of like that snowball effect where somebody i worked with was in a band and they asked who produced my band and i said me and then that was the person who asked me what my rates were and first weird thing about it was um as i mentioned was how much to charge them i had no idea because i was afraid i was like well i don't want to ask for like too much money cuz i'm going to scare them away and i don't want to screw myself over by like not charging enough um i definitely didn't charge enough at the beginning but i think that's okay and that's how you kind of you know walk into this kind of thing so i didn't charge them very much and I didn't have a studio i did not have a studio at all and i was definitely trying to pull it off like i had these resources and so i was just like yeah i i can do it i can do anything and they're like okay cool here's the money i'm like shit now i gotta find somebody who has like all this stuff that i need and um luckily uh through the small interconnected interwoven world of music i do know like a lot of people who are stocked up on recording gear so i went to my uh one of my friend's house, I think it was in his my his mom's basement or something. But he had like all the recording mics and he had a room that was like good for drums and everything like that. And that didn't go too bad. The only kind of embarrassing thing that happened during that process was I was setting up the microphones on the drum set and he had to keep coming up to me and being like, hey th- you're doing this wrong. Like let me show you. I'm like, ah crap. <laughs> like right in front of the drummer I'm recording. I just didn't want them to think like, oh this guy doesn't even know how to put a microphone on anything. But I mean they were cool with it the whole time and um i think it was their first time recording to like a metronome or like a click track or whatever so recording drums was like a eight or nine hour process (laughs) holy shit yeah that was that was a long one definitely and but all in all it didn't go too bad it got, got that smashed out in a day, and then the rest of the recordings, the guitars, the bass, and the vocals, I did in my bedroom at uh, where I lived. And, you know, amazingly, um, with where all the recording technology is at, that doesn't yield too terrible of a result. It's not going to be, like, you know, top 10 or anything like that, but it, it came out pretty good for the most part. But there were definitely... I was just new to everything back then. There were definitely a lot of like mixing techniques I didn't know yet. Um I didn't know to like <laughs> have guitar players check their tuning before they record. <laughs> uh luckily it was kind of like more of a grungy punk rock outfit, so I think untuned guitars were a little you could kind of look over that a little bit, but mm. still. Still a couple of things I when I go back and I listen to it I'm like, "Ah, I wish I would have done this a little bit differently." But you know, it's, it's a learning curve for anybody and any freelance thing that they do. Like your first project is always going to be like, ah, well I could have done that a little bit better, but as far as like, you know, first times go, it wasn't like the biggest train wreck thing I could have done. Um, so I think, I don't know, I think that worked out pretty well in my favor.
0: Yeah. And then can you talk about how artists can, or, or they have the access to be able to record anywhere. I re- usually record vocals in my closet, and people are always like, Why are you in a closet? Because you know, that's actually not that's actually
1: like one of the best places to do it <laughs> <laughs> exactly because you're like surrounded in clothes, and like yeah. that, that, that fabric is if you have enough clothes in there, anyways, it's like dense enough to where like mm-hmm. you don't want sound bouncing off the walls back at you, so then it sounds like you're in a closet. And, uh, did you did you do all the vocals in a closet for all those songs on YouTube and everything like that
0: for most of them I did uh, in my closet especially the more recent things that I've been doing I mean the full matriarchs 12 track album that we are putting out in October I recorded all the vocals in my closet for that because we were in a pandemic and I yeah, can't we really couldn't go anywhere get into a studio you know
1: damn I mean i'll it, it sounds really really good. I mean, if I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you're like, oh yeah, that's a that's a whisper room or that's somebody's closet. Right. Uh, but I've actually, <laughs> I've used. Um, oh man, this is a little embarrassing to say. I so my brother is my vocalist, and in my opinion, he's like one of the best uh, screaming vocalists I've ever worked with. He's very like uh, Chad Gray from Mudvayne, kind of mm-hmm. like old. It's it's awesome. And so anytime I do like these really heavy projects, I'm like, oh, I need somebody to scream on this. I hit him up. But um, similar to your situation, yeah, we were in a pandemic. So I just like brought all of my portable recording gear that I could over to his house. And we didn't have a even a closet that was big enough. Like the closets were all full of like shelves and towels. It's like that now. So <laughs> we wound up using his bathroom and his like master bedroom. And we just like plopped a microphone on a stand in the middle of it. And I just like made sure to close the shower curtain. So it wasn't like bouncing around the, the tub and everything else. And it came out like incredible. Like I was like, I actually kind of like to tell people when I show them the music, like, yeah, we recorded this in a bathroom. But it's just, it's, it's crazy how that kind of comes out and works. Although I will speak on the other side of it. Oh no. Is my laptop power going away? Oh, no, it's still charged. Everything just kind of powered down for a second. I was like, oh, go. Oh, you're like, wait. And um, I'll speak on the other side of it, and that would be that there are bands that I work with that record from home that are all over the country, and they'll do the same DIY that everybody else is doing. But um, nobody's really there to show them the ropes on how to properly record things. Um, I oftentimes get sent stems that the vocals are like, blown out like crazy blown out and like there's nothing i can do to fix it and it's just like clipping and distorted and like the guitar like already has distortion on it and it just comes out like this big mess already and you're just sitting there like oh god this is gonna be this is gonna be hard like they're not they're not gonna be this is never gonna be the best that it could have possibly been so if there are musicians listening to this who record at home check the gain on your microphone interface if it's red do it again that's all i'm gonna say because otherwise yeah it's just like you're not i would rather have it way too quiet than way too loud it's gonna be like so much better but yeah that's just that's just a part of the music world now like we all record at home and nobody's there to educate us and show us how to do it correctly so you know more power to everybody who can do that kind of thing in my opinion
0: and how did you learn how to, you know, mix, master, record? How did you learn all this stuff? Do you have any formal training? Are you completely self-taught? Did you go to uh, YouTube University? Like, what what was your thing?
1: Definitely the YouTube University thing. You know, what's unfortunate is that, like, I didn't really have, like, the cocky confidence to really just be like, you know what? I got this. I'm just going to figure it out. I really wanted to, like, uh, get an internship uh, and, like, learn by like, you know, being hands on and like being in the same room as like another recording engineer. And when I moved to California a couple of years ago, that was like the main thing I wanted to do. I was like, oh, there's probably recording and engineers and producers everywhere. I'm going to find them. I'm going to hit them up and I'm going to get an internship. I hit up so many recording engineers and they all were like, I don't have any time. Like you can't, I I'm too busy and I don't have time to show you or like, uh, to stop what I'm doing and walk you through everything that I'm doing is like, it's just, you're not going to get the attention that you deserve. And that's essentially what everybody told me talking to like 10, 15 different producers that were out there. And I think I talked to a few that were out here in Colorado too, and they kind of said the same thing. And I was like, well, I'm kind of on my own, I guess. So yeah. So then I did end up having to do the YouTube university thing And even that is super open to interpretation because you don't really know the quality of information you're getting. Right. Like you you could be watching it. Yeah, it's free. And you could be watching somebody who is doing something wrong and they think it's Mm. right. Mm. And they make a video about it, or maybe it's correct for what they're doing, but for what you're doing, it's completely incorrect. So it was, it's been a lot of trial and error for about five years now. And I mean, obviously, if, if you go back and listen to like the first thing I ever recorded and then listen to what I recorded yesterday, it's going to be miles different. And there have been a lot of uh, good tips and good advice from YouTube. A lot of it, I just kind of had to, you know, trust my own ears, which is something that I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago. It's like it's not so much about following a specific formula as it is just about trusting your own um your own ears and like thinking like, okay, what's good to me? Cause for such a long time, I was like, Oh, well this has to be set. Like the, the compressor has to be set at four to one with the blah blah, blah attack and the whatever reverb <laughs> in order to make this certain sound. It's like, no, that's not true. It's like, it's true for whoever made that, but for you, you got to figure out your own thing. And so that I think was a really, uh, difficult hurdle to get over. But once you kind of like find your sound and, you know, cause you end up having like a certain style in which you mix and produce and write. And then once you find what kind of works and attenuates to that, then you're kind of on the right track. But I don't think anyone can really show you that. I think you kind of have to like walk through that door yourself. Um, I think if I had had formal training, I'd probably be where I'm at today within like two years instead of five, but you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. And I think I'm at a decent place now I could definitely be way better but you know I think I mean you should always strive to be better for sure but yeah it's it's been a long arduous path for sure
0: and then how long did it take for this to go from something that you wanted to do as a freelancer you know to where you were making money paying your bills and and how long did it take for you to find your value
1: Oh, uh, um, so I mean It was always something that like I daydreamed about, like quitting all my other jobs and just like mixing and producing full time. But like I said earlier, it's like nobody, nobody can tell you like when that's a good idea to do that. Mm. You know, you kind of have to sit there and like self-evaluate. But I think especially like I worked in the restaurant industry for freaking ever and I hate it. I'm not a kitchen person. I'm not very passionate about culinary or whatever. The other thing that sucks about working in a kitchen is that when you get home from working in a kitchen all day, you don't want to make yourself food. And you don't right. like you don't end up going to the grocery store like caring about yourself and like actually getting like good nutrition. You're like, I'm just gonna go to a drive thru, screw it. So like the whole um the whole just like vibe and like industry of the restaurant world was just like not who I was as a person. But I had to do it. I had to do it to kind of get myself stable and then You know, moving back to Colorado, I had to go back to my old restaurant job and it was the same old thing. I was just like, I hated it. And then quarantine happened and I got to like stay at home and make unemployment for like three months. and That was sweet. So obviously during that whole time, I pretty much did just make music and produce other bands. And that kind of got a taste for that life and kind of what it would be like while still being able to maintain financially stable. So once I kind of had like a feel for what that was going to be like, then I was like, oh, I think I can do this and it's not totally uncomfortable. And yeah, that day came where they're like, well, we're opening our store again. Do you want to come back? And I was like, uh, this opportunity only comes up like a couple times in a lifetime. I'm going to just go for it and see what happens. And that was super nerve wracking. Like I didn't know it was going to happen. I thought. That as soon as I quit my job, all my clients would disappear and be like, oh, hey, we're actually going to this other studio. See you later. And I would fall straight on my face and I'd have to go back with my tail tucked between my legs. But that hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting for it to happen, but it just hasn't happened yet. And it's like this constant, like, you know, not really on steady ground, but like I am making good money. But I don't know. I I have this paranoid feeling that one day it's just going to be like, well, I'm screwed. Time to go back. But until that happens you know, I guess I'll just, uh, keep, keep on keeping on for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that I, I heard a couple of years ago and it's become very, uh, I guess, present now during this like quarantine COVID time is that we're all kind of freelancers, you know, whether you are a freelancer or you have a nine to five job, because I mean, look what this pandemic did. It, it made people lose their jobs it made people get furloughed and laid off and, We're all kind of at the the mercy of our gig, uh, depending on what it is. But I think that, you know, now that you've kind of dove in and you've gone headfirst into this world of music production, I think it's just going to continue to snowball for you.
1: I hope so. Um, I definitely have noticed that, too, that all the trades are doing exceptionally well right now.
0: Exceptionally well. I think we adapted faster.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of had to happen for sure. Right. Um, like one of my best friends out here is uh, my tattoo artist. And I'm constantly like blown away by like his work and his improvement and like his clientele. And it's just like, you know, you'll try to book an appointment for, from him and it's just like, dude, I'm like three months out. So you're gonna have to wait like three months before I can get you in the schedule. I'm like, that's crazy. Like <laughs> I remember when he like just started and did exactly what I'm doing right now. And just kind of like took that leap of faith. And especially now during this pandemic, it's just like he's doing crazy well. Uh, My other good friend is a graphic designer, makes tons of like uh, band logos and like lyric videos, music videos. And he's the same way. He's like three months out on work and I'm getting to be the same way. And I think it's the only sense I can make out of it is that people who were making like lots of unemployment money have nothing to do with their time. Except for, like, work on their music and their art or whatever, or get tattooed or whatever you're into. (laughs) So I think there's a big, like, influx of that. And I could only, like, hope that it's going to plateau and just, like, keep going the way that it's going. I don't know if it's going to go up from here, but if it could at least plateau and just, like, keep going the way that it's going, then that would be fine. But my paranoia kind of lies in the fact that, like, well, once everybody goes back to their jobs, it's going to be not over, but it's going to get slow again. And people are like, Oh, I'm too, I don't have enough time for my art and my craft. Mm -hmm. Like I have to go pay my bills and be an adult and get insurance. So (laughs) there's only, I, I mean, I, I guess only time will tell for sure, but
0: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we'll see what happens, but it's been very interesting. So, um, I assume you tour with your bands as well, and so what are you doing now during this time as an artist uh, that you are trying to focus on uh, other than your production work? Like, what are you doing as an artist to continue that forward momentum for your your music projects?
1: Yeah, that was a little um, devastating this year because we had so many, like, shows and, like, festivals and tours. Like, fall out from under us and this was going to be like a huge year for all of that and we had um the the blue ridge rock festival in virginia which was like on this festival was like every one of my favorite bands from like 2000 up until now it was crazy i was so excited for it and it was like the one festival that hadn't canceled yet and i think they canceled it like three months ago and i was just like holding out like hope and faith that they would just go on and then they finally canceled it and i think that was like the final straw and you know i just had to like take a take a few days to like you know feel a little depressed about it like there was like nothing i could do you 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 have to feel a little bit helpless in that cuz like that's such a big part of being a musician obviously is going out playing shows trying to like you know inform the world of your presence and like that you know, we don't have it. We don't have that anymore. Well, we don't have it right now. So that was definitely a big, uh, that was definitely a big knock to um, being productive, I guess. So the only thing you can really do is stay home and make music and write albums and try to have an online presence, which I think, um, in my opinion, you know, my, uh, my band Fate Destroyed has done a pretty good job at Um, Francesca is always good at like staying on top of the social media thing. And, uh, we've been working on an album since March, I think. And so that's kept me pretty busy for the most part. And then, um, like I said earlier, got two other bands on the side. So they're also deciding to write albums during pandemic because there's no live concerts. So I'm in the process of like writing three different albums right now. So that is taking a good bulk majority of my time about every day i have to set aside a few hours to work on that and then a few hours to work on things that i've been paid for and outside of that that's all you can really do um i work at this i do work at this venue up north uh doing live sound a couple times a month and you can't have a lot of people there there's only maybe like 10 15 people allowed at the venue at all times which is wow As we all know, super lame. (laughs) Super lame. I mean, it's awesome that, like, we can do it, but, like, you know, you want to play a show, like a cool, like, rock show, and then, like, 15 Mm. people are there, sometimes less. Like, 15 is, like, the most I've seen there. And, um, they live stream it, whatever, but just not the same effect. And, like, I talked to other bands about it, and they're like, oh, do you think we should do that? I'm like, I don't think you should. (laughs) It's not going (laughs) to be, it's not going to be what you want it to be. I think you should just, like, hold out for as long as you can until this is kind of like back to normal again. And like, really, um, you know, live your, glo- uh, try to live your best, you know, show days. You'd never, yeah. cause we all try to like cancel out those shows that like, Oh yeah. One guy was there. <laughs> I'll go, I'll right. go off on a, I'll go off on a side tangent for a second. Cause this random story popped in my head. Um, I was on tour like five years ago and I think we were playing this like little club in Des Moines, Iowa. It was not promoted very well at all. I think uh, us and the other touring band were like the two bands on the bill, and then this third band was from like South Africa and had like just moved to America like two weeks prior. So nobody knew who any of us were and had no reason to come to this show. There was one guy, literally one guy at this show, and he didn't come to a show to see a show. He was just drunk. And he was just there and um <laughs> it's just hilarious like you finish playing a song and then you just hear the one guy in the back like <laughs> losing his mind and we all got done and he's like out back like you know telling us how awesome we are and i was just like well at least at least we got one but you know you want to try to avoid that as much as humanly possible for sure but yeah i mean as far as like what to do to like keep propelling yourself right now is like you have to be creative, like doing things like what you're doing, like stay engaged and like think of creative new ways to involve your audience. Like your YouTube momentum is pretty, is really impressive. And, um, and like, you know, you're doing your podcast, you're like, you're being like a, you know, being very independent, which is almost just as important as being, you know, reliant on other people, but you have to really have your own presence as well and, and find new outlets, new creative outlets to keep your brand moving. So I think, you know, um, the more you can do things like that, the more on top you're going to be at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And I think like collaborations have helped a lot. Like, I recently did a triple collab with two other female vocalists and we posted three covers across all three of our channels on the same day. And it really propelled the YouTube back into the recommendations and things like that. Like, my channel had been plateaued for like, I don't know, four years. You know, I was barely Jeez. getting views. And then all of a sudden last month, I I got like, you know, a million, impress- a million impressions on my, my YouTube stuff. So it was like... Holy just shit. Got Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I just got kicked back into the algorithm and I never thought that was going to happen again. You know, I thought my channel was just dead, but it's that's, been cool to see.
1: Yeah, that's what's interesting about collaborations. I kind of thought they were... I, I didn't really know my opinion on them. Like I kind of thought they were a little bit of a waste of time in the beginning. And I don't know mm-hmm. why I, th- I don't know why I thought that, I guess I was kind of thinking in a sense that like, well, if I'm not making money, why am I doing this kind of mm-hmm. thing? And now I'm kind of like watching these trends of collaborations. And what you're essentially doing is um, you really are opening yourself up to like, Oh, this other person's subscribers. Like if I do a song with, you know, YouTuber A and they have X amount of followers that I don't have and I have X amount of followers that they don't have and that kind of like cross platforms and then like you all kind of benefit from it a little bit. So that was the side of it I wasn't really seeing. And now it's like, oh, hell yeah, sign me up for all that. It's it's really impressive how that's how that really uh, changes the algorithm and it can, yeah, it really can like kick you back up to being on top of things. It's yeah. I, I've been really impressed by it.
0: It is very fascinating. And then uh, my last question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started?
1: Oh, that could be a lot of things. Um, You know, I guess it, it would be on this sentiment that being a freelancer now is not necessarily something that like let's say your parents would have envisioned for you when you were growing up like there was such I feel like there was like such a design you know when we were kids and we were handed this yeah. design like you go to school you go to college you get a job you get a house that's it you know nobody ever tells you oh this is how you manage your time this is how to be your own boss this is how you you know, manage money. This is how you stay on top of yourself, because that's something that, like, I mean, maybe they're teaching in schools now. That would be cool. But like nobody in school and any school I ever went to was like, OK, here's how to take accountability for yourself. You know, you can't just take today and play video games for eight hours like you really need to, like, you know, be online looking for stuff, engaging in stuff like engaging in other musicians, engaging in an audience. Um, and like really trying to think outside of the box. And that's something that I feel like if we all knew from the get go, then we would be able to like hit the ground running like that much faster. But as I kind of said with um, like even learning how to mix and produce, like nobody was ever really there to kind of like show me the way. Um, And hopefully that's something that maybe you and this podcast can kind of do to educate the general population is kind of how to uh, kickstart it. And it is different for everybody, for sure. But it's just a little unfortunate that like you kind of have to like, you know, walk your own path and really kind of figure it out yourself because it does end up taking a little bit longer and it's a longer walk. But at the end of the day, I think it is a little bit more rewarding once you get there because it's like, you know, I did this. I'm (laughs) I paved my own path and I conquered or whatever. So so where I do kind of wish somebody would have shown me, I do kind of enjoy where my own path has taken me at the same point in time. So, yeah, you know. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And then uh, if somebody wants to work with you on some production work, or if they want to pick your brain some more, how can they find you?
1: So I am on Facebook and Instagram. I'm thinking about starting YouTube. I haven't really dove into that yet. But uh, if you want to get a hold of me, my company is called Wave Cult, spelled W-A-V-C-V-L-T. Um, obviously. (laughs) Uh, So Wave Cult Productions, it's on Facebook. If you just do facebook.com forward slash W-A-V-C-V-L-T, that'll be my page. Uh, Same on Instagram, instagram instagram.com forward slash W-A-V-C-V-L-T, or you can just do the at logo and then that, and you'll find me, send me a message, collaborations, mixing, mastering, whatever anybody wants to do. I'm totally down to talk about it.
0: Right, guys, that was my podcast with Roger Bolin of Wave Cult Productions. Thank you so much, Roger, for coming on and sharing your stories and your insight with my audience. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please do me a huge favor and leave a rating and feedback. And if you do that, I will send you a signed photoprint from an abandoned building that I have explored. Yes, when I'm not freelancing, I explore abandoned places. And that leads me to my book no tracers an urban explorer's diary which is a photo book filled with stories and photographs from abandoned places all over the united states and if you guys want a copy of it you can go to notracers.com shop and pick up a copy today thank you guys for listening to another episode of project freelance and a massive thank you to liquid death water for partnering with this podcast i appreciate you guys thank you for doing what you do to help the environment and for providing me with some amazing water I'll talk to you guys next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for another episode of Project Freelance. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, and go create something.